A dance CEO thrives every day with focus on gratitude, growth, and feeling aligned. Unapologetically putting themselves first, striving to become their best self personally and professionally, creating their own definition of fulfillment and success, rejecting the starving artist mentality and competition mindset for one of abundance in all things, including the success of other dance business owners. Welcome to the Dance CEO Podcast. Hello, I'm Audra Allen, the Dance CEO Coach lifelong dancer, choreographer, and educator. I'm a happily remarried, part-time mom of two little humans and three bonus little humans, proud thriver of adult-diagnosed ADHD, lover of the beach, travel, houseplants, reading, and your host for today's episode. Thank you for being here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. Today's lovely guest, Tamara Irving, is with me, and she has a different, unique business model for the dance world, which I'm so excited to introduce you to. And instead of me trying to share all the amazing things about her, I'm going to let her take it away and just give us a brief overview. Tamara, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I would love to hear it. Just Can you just give us like a brief what you do, who you are? Yes. So I am Tamara Irving of TMI Design and Consulting. And I facilitate creative learning experiences through dance. What that means is I go in and I help arts educators just bring out the best of their dance students, no matter what they want to do with their career in dance. A lot of that is working with elective school programs and programs that really want to expose their students to dance, but want creative ways to do so. So I like to lift some of the load off of the teachers because That's why I started this, because I needed the load lifted off of myself and I needed someone to support me through that process. That sounds amazing. I know that when we connected and you shared with me what you do, I was just blown away. It's beautiful. I love that just the creativity of how to support a space that you needed support in. I actually want to hear a little bit more about the pre, like how you got into your business. What was your professional journey before that? Yeah. So I actually was just um, telling somebody this and it's funny because they said, you know, dance teachers usually have a a lot of things going on in their lives. (laughs) And I would agree. So I actually came from a marketing background. Hmm. I went to college for marketing. I danced while I was in college, but I knew I wanted to like, I originally wanted to work for Coca-Cola. I wanted to work in advertising and that was going to be my life with dance in the background somehow. But when I got in this opportunity, um, I had friends around me that were dancing professionally. And I said, well, I want to do that too. So with the support of my boss who gave me the book, All the Places You'll Go, which I love her and I'm still looking for her in this world. um, I took the leap and I moved to New York. Mm. It's in New York for a while. And I got my first big job with Disney. So I worked down in Disney. And then while I was working in Disney, I got the call to join the first opening company of the Lion King in Hamburg, Germany. So I did that for a little over a year. And then I eventually moved on to the U.S. national tour back in the States for the Lion King. Did that for several years before I transitioned to back to my alma mater, which is where I just finished 12 years in Through that process of marketing to performing to teaching, I was kind of (laughs) self-taught through the process, which is why I am going back and helping to support those teachers because um, I had a lot of hot mess moments and I had a lot of beautiful moments. (laughs) So yeah, that's my background in a nutshell. Okay. I just want to summarize that I just heard that you were not intending to dance professionally. 
And then you end up having this phenomenal dance career and like such beautiful experiences in that. So I'm just really impressed in all of that. And I love that you went ahead and followed your dream that like, you know, you realized that there's a shift that wanted to happen for you and you've done it again now with this business that you're building. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that you are an amazing entrepreneur creative and that you really are following your intuition. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of this is when, is things that I did in the classroom that I didn't know uh, was an actual business model until I started to hear from people around me. And this was, you know, in 2020, like with your business, when it shifted, um, it's when you had time to explore a lot of things. And a lot of things that I was doing in my district, I supported the educators. I supported the other dance educators in my district. I would create professional development opportunities and cultivate other things that we could do together. And I was already doing this. And so when it, when I was at home learning to edit, learning to still build workshops through Zoom, um, still getting opportunities together for my students. I talked to a business coach and she said, that's a whole business. <laughs> but it was something that I had been doing for years with my with my students, making them write grants, making them um, tell me what they wanted me to teach so that I can bring in those other, those other aspects into the classroom so that I wasn't doing everything alone. So a lot of what I am doing now I did it already I just you know didn't get paid for it <laughs> yeah I mean it sounds like you just knew to take things you learned and turn it into a financial benefit for yourself and what I what I hear in the service industry which is you know anyone who's taking what something they've already learned and helping else on their journey right the service of it is as long as if you have gone through something yourself and you've learned from it that is the biggest impact you can have for someone else. Like you can go learn any topic and try to teach other people that, but the biggest transformations you can have in other people's lives is when you've gone through it yourself first. And I love that that's what you've chosen to do with your structure. That's beautiful. Yes, I like to say um, you have everything you need. Um, and just a quick story going back to my Lion King moment, that is something that we did for our incoming cast members. Whenever they would do their first show, we would line up in the hallway, um, makeup artists, the puppeteers, the um, stage managers, everybody would line up. And then before your first show, you would walk down the aisle and we would sing songs and give affirmations of letting them know that they had everything they needed inside of them. And it was time for them to take the steps for their journey. So this is what I'm trying to do for the educators that I support is your programs have to be based on what you're great at. Otherwise, it's not it's going to be, you know, maybe not as successful because you're trying to do something that's not in your wheelhouse. So while I had the experiences of being a swing in a Broadway show, uh, I brought that to my students. It wasn't a very technical program that I had, but I brought a lot of different aspects of myself in, in, into what I'm into what into my classroom and into what I'm doing as my business model. Mm. Okay, really quick for those who might not be familiar with this. What is a swing? Okay, so a swing is like an understudy. And so a swing covers many roles. So I actually covered about six different dance roles and about nine different single singer roles, as well as I understudied Sarabi, who is Simba's mother. So there was a lot of different tracks. And so that's literally how I run my <laughs> run my program in my life. 
I like to, you know, do a lot of different things. And I think that's one thing we have in common, Audra, mm. is uh, being a Gemini, is <laughs> try a lot of different things. And so that was perfect for me being a swing because I didn't get bored because I was able to, you know, do a lot of things. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, also, like you said, you have everything you need, but, you know, the bigger your toolbox, the more creative you can be and being successful, right? If you're limited to just a few tools, if you've got some big challenges and those tools don't fit those challenges, you're not gonna have as much success. So expanding your toolbox will let you get to what you're seeking, maybe just in creative ways to get there because you have different tools to work with. Absolutely. I I want to be that toolbox for people and then letting them know that they, that toolbox is also maybe somebody else in their, in their network, somebody else in their school that can help to support them because, um, you know, we're the expert in our own classroom, but you do need support and somebody to pull it out of you. You know, Mm -hmm. there's always somebody, you know, you might have a grand idea, but you share that idea with another person and then they build on that. It's still your idea. It's just, um, it's just helps to be flourished by talking to other people. Yes. Like I'm just thinking, I'm now I'm reflecting on mine. I'm like, yes, there's multiple things I've created in my business that have come to fruition because I shared the idea with other people and they've helped me make it happen. So that's so beautiful. I'm going to say that this goes against the grain of what we're taught in the dance world. <laughs> this, this thought process, right? That really you're, you're out, you know, everyone's out for themselves, right? Like you really only, the only person supporting you is you and that it's really is kind of a lonely journey. So what is that dialogue you're having to help people understand that mindset shift into openness to let others be a part of their journey? Um, I think the collaboration model is really um, key to teach students now. So as an educator, if you're collaborating with your actual students, um, think, you know, I don't think I had a chance to collaborate with my teacher. Well, I know I didn't <laughs> when, I, when I was growing up, but now um, things are more student led. And I think educators are serving as facilitators now. And when I first heard that term, I was like, uh-uh, but <laughs> it, it makes your life so much better and easier when you're able to facilitate experiences um, for those that you are leading. So one thing I do is I ask them who in their building and who in their network they can collaborate with. Literally, we'll start with a list. Who can support you? What do you need? Do you need support asking them to support you? How can they support you? And when they when they do this, and then they're able to plan out their school year. So ultimately, I want to work with people probably in the summer before school starts to get this going so that on day one, they are ready to go. They are ready to use those tools in their toolbox and they're set up with a plan because they've already reached out and started the collaboration process. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. I actually want to go back to, you just shared a few concepts, student-led learning, which is something that we really dove into in my master's program. And, you know, really trying to figure out how to adapt that to the dance studio. And then to me, that ties into how you were speaking about educators. And I want to bring up that I really believe that there's a difference between teachers and educators. I think that teachers give information and they just pass on, you know, the pedagogy of what's been codified, but what they've learned, which is and which is necessary, right? There's things you just know that they don't, that you need to share as like foundational, but then the educator 
will give that basic structure to let them then then figure out for themselves within that space educator creates to then let them have more sustainable transformation because they've done the work themselves. Oh, yes. I, I totally agree with that. And I it took me probably two to three years at the beginning of my educational career to really grasp that. I started out just being a teacher who, Same. <laughs> I mean, you know, I taught and I had a lot of unhappy students because they, you know, they liked me, but they didn't feel like they had a say in anything that they were doing. And there was an educational shift as well, where now there's so many different types of, you know, schoolings that <laughs> kids can do more project-based learning. And I realized that if I wanted to connect and be a better educator, that I had to open up the experience to them. And what what really led that to me is that I was teaching in a program that wasn't, um, uh, I guess, a magnet type program where the students didn't have to audition into my program. They, I wanted them to to understand the the beauty of dance and how dance can be a great resource in your life. But many of them were not going to become necessarily professional dancers. So why teach that information when it's not going to go anywhere? I'd rather facilitate an experience for them where it's student-led of, okay, you want to learn this style? Well, how can we figure out how to get this style to you? Or you want to be an accountant. Hmm. You might be able to support arts, you know, arts uh, companies later in life by your love of accounting. So I had to really get creative. It was it, it was frustrating to realize that shift, but once I made the shift, it my life became so much better. It came mm. so much better because then I was able to um, open up myself to let the students delegate and to create opportunities. And so I wasn't as tired, you know, a tired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, my first position after my graduate program was directing a high school dance program. And it was a residential high school program. The students lived there, but it was a state, it, it was a public school. So even though it kind of functioned like a private school, it was public, but students like had to still apply to get in like in college. So it was like high level academics, but public based. And so the, the dancers didn't necessarily have to audition as well. And so it was a structure of like trying to introduce concert dance, but most of them were new movers or recent movers in their bodies or weren't planning on taking it out of high school, like you said. So the things I focused on, at first I had the same experience. I was a teacher at first, right? And they liked me, but not necessarily my process. But as I shifted, same same thing. And you know, it's you know, it's like it's very humbling, right, to like revisit that and admit it. But whew, grateful I've worked through that lesson. Um <laughs> uh the things that I found are really beneficial to share is that so many of them didn't have confidence in themselves or connection with their body. So my journey with them was to explore the concepts and figure out individually what their bodies are capable of because their bodies are going to be with them for the rest of their lives, right? So may, they might not be dancing after that class, but then they could believe and have more faith and connection in what their bodies could do. And it was amazing to see their confidence because they were so focused on the mental abilities, right? The academics that they were so disconnected from their bodies and just to see them flourish into the connection of both, it was beautiful. And then also the other was learning how to develop artistic personal preferences and to articulate I like something or I don't like something and why, right? So I'm like, you might never dance again, but you might now have some type of interest in the arts. 
you can go to a dance concert and you can be informed and have a decision and your own opinion and you can articulate it why or you can go look at some art or you can go decide that like like whatever the thing is just expanding their art artistic exposure in their lives and actually be able to know they have a, an opinion and how to articulate it. I really enjoyed that they could like take those away. But I love your point. You're like, you can be an accountant and support the dance world. Like I hadn't thought about those connections. I love that you say that because so many of my students, when they are graduating or, you know, former graduates, they come back and they say that that's something that they definitely got out of dance class is the confidence. Being able to move and still, of course, stay in shape but also it was a stress reliever for many of them because I also taught in a school that had an international baccalaureate mm. um, focus. And it was the one period of the day where they can come in and just be. Mm -hmm. And and they they thought they weren't thinking, but no, you have to think in dance class. And you, you know, it was just a little bit, it was, you know, wasn't like writing on paper, it was moving through their body. And so they felt like they were able to connect and and just be relieved yeah. of a lot of stress. Yeah. They were using their right brains. Oh, yeah. The left brain. <laughs> I always shared that although that you spend so much time working your brain, that your brain is housed in your body and your brain will only be as strong as your body is. So if you just sit all the time, your brain can only do so much for you. Like you have to use your whole tools that like all of you that you have in order for your brain to flourish. And they would say that they would do better in classes or struggling because their body was moving and they were able to process more and feel less restricted. And it's like, yeah, your body's with you your entire life and its job is to carry your brain around, let it do its job. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love to walk by like in the hallways and like um, whenever I would see them and, you know, they would like perk up mm -hmm. and, and like wave and I, I I just wanted to bust in and like, you know, make, make their teacher dance. Like, <laughs> but also the teachers really recognize the difference in their students that were dancers when they were able to see them perform and, you know, performances or, or how they interact with them in class, they could actually physically see that. And they want it to be a part of that process too, which is why I actually started like a teacher dance team <laughs> and we performed at pep rallies and different events because they wanted to also, you know, see what was going on in the dance room. Mm. I love that. That's so great. Yes. It's amazing when, you know, the dancer, the students feel that they get support outside of the studio from their other educators, right? When they start showing up and realizing it's not two separate worlds, they're not academic based and then dance like they're all to say oh my gosh i'm getting the whole package here of support that's so nice yes i love that you talked earlier about um artistic exposure as well mm. that was the thing that really helped motivate and help keep me motivated as um as an educator um because my first year when i started i i was like i'm teaching a lot of people how am i going to do this by myself so I started to reach back into my network of friends. I mean, I still have a friend that's performing uh, in as the giraffe in The Lion King. He's amazing and close to 50 and just it's dynamic. So I'm like, how can I bring these experiences to the students? Because mm -hmm. you may not be able to go to a professional show, but I can bring that to them. So I made it a point of making a list of everybody in my network that I could bring in to you know to come in for residencies or talkbacks or whatever it was to give that exposure and I just really think that's important um one thing that 
was of course always lacking was funding. And that's something that I want to help support teachers on as well. And like, it's really important. And I think they got it, you know, during 2020, but it was really, it's really important for me to bring that exposure to, to any arts program because it's so necessarily for them to see what opportunities are out there as mm -hmm. careers. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they first said they didn't want to dance, but then when you get introduced to somebody, especially somebody who looks like you, then you might want to actually change your career. You never know mm -hmm. what could happen. It is a joy and an honor to share with you that I am bringing a new resource available to you monthly titled the Dance CEO Masterclass Series. This series is meant to help support you on your journey personally and professionally. Now you may be wondering, what does this have to do with you? And I'll tell you that it is a fantastic way to continue to do personal and professional development, especially if you've not been finding time or making the time for it. Now you can put on your calendars that every second Thursday of the month, you know that you're gonna get an hour of professional development in, and it's gonna be in topics that support you and getting your business off the ground, filling in gaps, supporting you personally, mentally, all the things. I really just wanna help you have the ability to continue to grow with all that you have going on. I invite you to go to my website, thedanceceocoach.com slash masterclass. I'm giving you the opportunity to every month guaranteed for free one hour to jump in and join with me. And when we're the bridge, right? Like they're only like the their exposure was probably limited before connecting with us and then we're expanding it, but really it's our job as educators, as the bridge to connect them with the bigger opportunities. Like we're not the end, right? We're just that first step into what's bigger and possibility for them. And also what's beautiful about 2020 and that people now understand that virtual is a possibility that it is so much easier to have those connections. So maybe you don't fly the person in to be in person with them, right? But you can have a talk back over Zoom, right? You can have those conversations and just have like, just have those connections, even if it's not in person. And it actually creates more opportunities with more people to connect with. With Like if you have a little bit of funding, you can spread it out with more people with the virtual aspect versus only can only go to one person coming in for a few days. So yeah, there's so many ways to work with that now to expand your students reach. Yeah, that's a program I'm actually working on and it's um, called From the Stage to the Classroom and being able to expose students to people that are uh, performing in different capacities. It doesn't necessarily have to just be on Broadway, but in different capacities in artistic roles so that they can um, connect with them if they have questions. Because one thing is what we also noticed um, going back to 2020 is that artists need connection too. Mm -hmm. And you're able to actually Instagram, you know, or direct message a, uh, a, a a professional performer and they will write you back because they desire those connections as well. And I'm like, I always tell my students, I'm like, get their IG handle, <laughs> you know, find out if you can, you know, connect with them and ask them questions as they come up, as they come up. And when the artists actually respond, that just makes them happy. And it makes, it makes my heart melt as well. Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful because all those artists that we see who were like, wow, they're doing amazing things. They were in our situation once, right? When we were younger dancers, like we've all started somewhere. We've all had to grow and work and do the thing. Like, it's not like they just woke up one day and they're just professional dancers. So, yeah. so many, when they remember to stay connected to that, you know, 
to their roots and where they come from, they're more open and generous and they're giving because they know that they valued that when it happened to them. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to shift into your programming. I know that I think one of your core focuses is really helping the dance educator shift into a place where they can grow personally and professionally. So how can they shift their programming to make that reality? Because I'm pretty sure that we as artists, well, I know that the scarcity mindset really lends to you can't have anything for yourself. It's either you're like you're all in on like your teaching and you're the dancing and all of that and you don't have time for yourself. But you and I are very aligned and we desire that everyone want to be humans first. <laughs> and so tell me more about what that looks like for um, a dance educator who's listening to really shift and frame their programming to help them grow into growing personally and professionally. So I usually start with um, almost like an audit with the teachers to just write down everything they think they're good at, <laughs> everything that they think that they can give to their program, but then also things that they want to work on for themselves. And that's a part of the sustainability piece in that you can, you can, you'll burn out more easily if you don't do things for yourself as an artist. So what that might look like is, do you still have time to take class? Do you still have time to maybe go for an additional degree? Um, would you want to volunteer in an organization? Allowing them to write down what they want to work on for them, for them student, for their students, but then also for themselves. And then I help them find ways to do both because mm. it's so necessarily, it's so necessary to have both. I think that's beautiful. Could you give more insight into the difference of what type of professional development would look like to help the students and what type of professional development would look like to help you individually? Okay. Professional development for, um, I'm going to actually start with the teachers first, is that uh, a lot of professional development that happens in schools is not arts focused. Um, and of course, we need to learn, you know, how to grade, how to add rigor to your classroom, all of those things, just like every other teacher. But I just believe for artists, it's a little bit different. The students that we have, the students, you know, we might have our students for four years. We might have a different focus that we're doing. And we're also coming sometimes from a different place than other teachers. So that professional development is getting them in the same room. That has been the highlight of a lot of the teachers that I talk to. They say that the experience of being in a room with other dance educators has been life-changing because you're able to talk about something and everybody understands. You don't have to um, you know, feel like the elephant in the room. And sometimes you might be the only person in your district or in your city that's teaching dance. So being able to be with other educators that are the same as you, really is helpful in that. Um, I work on helping them to streamline their programs so that they're able to walk away from the program, whether that's for a day, a week, or leave their program if they desire to, to change careers. And what that looks like is adding more student-led opportunities. Um, I didn't delegate at all for about three years. <laughs> and <laughs> I was so tired. I was always up mixing music and just doing way too much. And my family suffered because, because of it. And so I want them, the teachers to be able to leave that at school and let their teach, let their students do some of it, but you have to set it up first in order for them to do that. So my professional development with them relies around helping them create a signature program 
that is student-led. And for students, um, going back to that artistic exposure, um, letting them know that there are many careers in the arts. And while you're in this dance class, you're going to get the discipline of dance. We are still going to dance, but I'm going to expose you to other aspects of the arts so that you can understand and, and learn. And that's usually the mission of, of all school systems is identifying um, opportunities to make your students career ready. And you can't do that without exposing them to actual careers. That is amazing. I absolutely love that. And that just sounds like what we do and like what we're doing with our dance businesses, right? I mean, we, we grew up thinking the only options were to dance or teach. And mm -hmm. the exposure, the fact that is if you can create any type of structure that supports the dance world, you have a dance business, like what you're doing, what I'm doing. And I love that you're already giving your dancers that opportunity to be exposed to so much more. I know that I'm solely producing my podcast because of all my skills I've learned to edit music and all of that. And so I translated over to doing a podcast and yeah, you just never know. You never know. I, I, I always joke at my students about how they were like, well, how did you learn how to use, you know, all your editing? And I said, well, because I started editing with a tape player and I don't even remember how I did that, but <laughs> it was magical and I was able to mix music. And so now uh, I'm able to do it for you all. And it's another thing is because a lot of educators and arts educators are, are self-taught. There are a lot of things that we have to do because there's generally not a lot of funding to bring in other people to do it. So we do it ourselves. But while we're learning these skills, we can also pass those skills on to our students so that they can do it for us. Cause they're honestly faster at a lot of these things when, when we are as well. <laughs> Yeah, what I'm hearing right now is that you're giving people permission to not do it all. Mm, yes. That we're past that. There's no reason to do it all anymore. And although it might feel that you don't have the support from your educational board, you know, the school structure, right. there's ways to shift it that you don't have to do it all anymore. I'm going to say that again. Oh, yes. You don't have to do it all anymore. It's time to let that go. There's so many terms that I've learned this year as a business owner. And one of those is systems. Mm -hmm. And I realized that that's one item that's helped that helped me to sustain myself in the classroom is developing those systems of templates that I didn't have to start this every year because I was going to do the same thing every year. So why not start a document? with that so that you can go back and copy it for the next year and better yet, ask your student to go and edit it now because you've developed a relationship. You know, you always have those students that wanna help. <laughs> and that's how it started. I had a million tabs open and I had a student who was uber organized and she said, how can I help you to structure, you know, so that you don't have all these tabs open. <laughs> now this student is actually, <laughs> Um, studying this in college, like how to help organizations with their management. And it's simply because, you know, I allowed her to delegate some responsibilities to me and that I needed help with my systems. That's so powerful. So good. So one of the things I just heard to dial a little bit more to business speak is 
uh, a playbook essentially. So it's really like whatever process you come up with with your systems, you document every step of that process and it becomes a playbook. So like when you like create your system and then you're like, let's say a senior who's doing a particular thing for you graduates, you have a playbook to then say, hey, next person who's excited for this task, here literally is how the thing to do it. And it's, you can just hand it over and you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. And even you can refer reference it for yourself. Like sometimes there's tasks I don't do often in my business. And with my ADHD, I don't remember how I did it and streamlined it before. So I document it. I could go back, oh yeah, I was trying to add four, four steps that weren't necessary this time. And so that's just another thing. It's part of systems. And I think just to fin figure, um, finish out that part of the conversation, systems, I think a lot of people think about is like software, you know, like they go, that is one part of it. But system is literally any process of how you do something from A to Z. Yes. Literally, even you have a system in how you prepare for your dance class. Literally, like, what, like, you know, like, I look for music, I think through that structure that day, right, I get my playlist together, I focus on, I pick what the focus is going to be like, plan all my combinations around that focus, like you have a system, even if you don't realize it. So a system is literally how you streamline from A to Z completing a task. And that task can be a system in your home. <laughs> yeah, you literally have systems in our every everywhere in our entire lives, like it's everywhere, we just haven't thought about it. In yeah. that term. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, getting in conversation with other people to help you realize I do have a system now. Let me, let me get it on paper. Mm -hmm. yep, so good. Digital paper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're only living in your notebooks, dance educators, you need to add in the digital, like my goodness, <laughs> just a side tip. Um, Okay, you just mentioned home, I wanna shift there. So I know it's become very important for you to shift your process to no longer have it negatively impact your family. So let's pull back the curtain. Can you talk me through what a, like a day in the life of Tamara is, both as mother, educator, business owner, wife, like just talk us through your day. So I actually work at home uh, with my husband and he's also an entrepreneur, so there's a lot there. But we're able to sneak in a few dates. So day dates. So those are amazing. Mm -hmm. I have three children. They are eight, 13, and 16. And they're busy. And right now, a typical day is everybody getting up at around 6 a.m. And we just go full-fledged to the bus stop, drop-offs at school, um, figuring out what time they need to be picked up because they all are at three different schools and what their pickup times, what their after-school looks like. And I have to plan out my, I have to plan out my week. They are all color coordinated in my system. And if they have any events that week, they have to text me or put it on the calendar themselves. If it's not on the calendar, it's less likely to get done. Mm -hmm. I don't like when they spring things on, you know, things, things mm -hmm. happen. I don't, I don't like when they spring things on me because it's hard for me to plan. Um, but what's been great this year is having the freedom and the flexibility to actually be able to do those things, even the things that weren't on the calendar. I was able to volunteer at all of my kids' schools this year, and it has made me feel so happy to be able to support the teachers because I needed that support and I wanted to give that support to them. Um, and at the end of the day, around eight o'clock, I am done. I am mentally, physically exhausted from all of the things that I have done with my children. I have, we have volleyball, we have dance, we have flag football. We have a lot going on. So at the end of the day, 
in order for me not to have a meltdown, I have to shut shut it down. And they know that. And they um, they generally respect those boundaries. Okay, well, let's dive a little bit more into that. So what are you doing for Tamara on a daily basis to support you? So, okay, I, I have morning tea. And that's mm-hmm. what I also had uh, when I was in the school. My students knew if the door was closed and the lights were dimmed, that um, it was my time. Um, that was generally the only quiet time I had in the day. And I generally start with some type of tea. I have a tea addiction and then I'm ready to start my day. I try to end my day with um, taking a bath. I love baths. I think they're just so relaxing and generally nobody can bother you while, while you're in a bathtub. <laughs> they've, tried, they've tried to dip a toe in, but that's generally my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've often... Also, I've often liked to find different places to work outside of my home, whether that be a coffee shop or a park, mm-hmm. anywhere. Because if I have my computer and my notebook, I'm good to work a lot of different places. And that just helps me to re- you know, to maintain um, my focus, but then also to feel like I'm not um, solo, you know, solo in this. When you're working for yourself and by yourself, you can also often feel isolated. Mm-hmm. It helps me to like get out and network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are the things. And I'm also still like, I'm still growing. So things that I couldn't do while I was teaching, I serve on two boards. I've, I'm open to teaching master classes and workshops, which I, I didn't have a lot of time to do before. And they are giving me life because I can bounce from one studio to another and not have to, you know, uh, stay stuck in, in, in one place. And, you know, be able to give my expertise, but then also to just meet dancers all over, all over my state has been so wonderful for me. Mm, That's beautiful. So I'm hearing that what you've created for yourself with your business is time freedom. You've been able to give yourself the space and the time to fill it up with the things that you were desiring to do and grow into. Yes. These things have been on my list for a while. That's amazing. So I'm thinking now back when I was a full-time dance educator and how someone who might be in that role now listening to us and just that feels like such a foreign concept, right? You're like, I just am in the studio all day and I go home, I've been on my feet all day, I'm exhausted. It doesn't have to be huge. It's not like I woke up one day or tomorrow I woke up one day and we're just all of a sudden doing these things. It's been a gradual process. But if you are only giving to other people and you do not give back to yourself, if you don't start by giving to yourself, you are going to burn out. There's going to be resentment brought in. There's going to be physical exhaustion. You can literally break your body down from this. So really having to make that point, like even if you're like, oh, I haven't, I haven't enjoyed a good cup of tea in a long time. Now that Tamara said that, I can't remember the last time that I've taken a bath. Yes. No one else is going to tell you to drink that tea or take that bath. So if you think I don't have time, you're right. And if you think I have time for a bath, you're right. So I would encourage you to even just pick one thing to just add it in. Even if it's like once a week, you're like, I'm going to make myself take a bath and do a face mask once a week. Or I'm going to actually finally start reading a book that I've put to the side forever. Or I'm going to go outside and do like, just pick one thing that you're like, it would be so nice if I could do that. You can. You just have to choose to put it in there. Yes. And I think of, of all the arts, dance is the most emotional. And so most teachers and educators are dealing with a lot of different personalities and they can um, inspire you, but they can also drain you. And so if you're not um, giving back to yourself, 
then it could make you unhealthy. And there were many, many years over my time um, in education that I was allowing um, that to affect my health and my body. And I, I wasn't being a good mother or a good wife because I was exhausted and cranky and I didn't want to, I didn't want to live like that anymore. Well, I think you brought up a very good point about boundaries <laughs> emotionally even, right? Cause we, think we talk a lot about like, it's easier to see externally like time boundaries, right. Or things like that. But emotional boundaries are very rarely discussed in the dance world. Emotions are very rarely discussed in the dance world. It's all about working, you know, doing what you need to do to perfect yourself, even though that's not realistic, to create the outcome that someone else is asking you to do. And like you said, there's so many emotions, first with ourselves, that we probably don't have time to get into. And then second, like you said, all the, the students we're with. And we genuinely care for the well-being of our students probably because we're more empathetic right if you're creative you tend to be way more empathetic than others and so not only do you say oh wow that's crappy you felt like this you're like fully taking on their emotion and that's not healthy unless you have a strategy or a system in place to help you manage that so maybe it is that you need to get into therapy to help you work through stuff maybe that's you need to work with a coach Maybe that's you need to learn some skills to help you, like maybe journaling, maybe like meditation. What is the thing to help you start to learn how to have those healthy boundaries in place? It took me a while to learn this one. Actually, it was my divorce that helped me like go on this journey. And uh, I now say with confidence and ease, like when I was even, because I taught college for eight years, um, that like if something's coming up or someone is doing something like it used to impact me and I'm like that's okay that's how you feel about me or that's the thing like I'm gonna still sleep well tonight and I still care about you like that's you have your feelings and I'm you know like that's fine if you're frustrated with me I'll sleep I'll still sleep well and, care, and I'm still care about you so like it's just really letting that go to the point where you can be okay as you are I know other people have their situations and you can be supportive but you are not meant to fix anything for them you're not expected to like solve the problem which i think we're not told that as dance teachers right because we probably grew up in a situation where our dance teachers were everything, everything. and yeah we're not we're not trained for that we're not therapists we're not parents we're not counselors we're not doctors we're not all the things we're meant to come in and support them as individuals to grow as humans and better themselves artistically in the dance world but support is all it is. It's not to be all the things. And literally what you said is that we're not trained for all of those things. That my first day in the classroom, I had not been given any development or any instruction. It was just go in and teach. And I didn't understand that I wasn't all those things. And I took on way too much. I'm, I'm an empath anyway with with loose boundaries when I first started teaching. And so it was very difficult. I wish somebody had told me, um, given me the time to say, you're not this thing. There's an actual counselor. There's a social worker that they can go to because I took on a lot and it was really draining. And one, um, I guess, system that I ended up developing that really helped was um, Fridays, I called them evoke something about evoke. I can't remember the exact term, but <laughs> I wanted them to be able to evoke their um, feelings. Um, and so we had a Friday and we would just, I would show random dance videos, dance commercials, dance films, whatever I can find. And they didn't even have to, it wasn't even a real assignment. They could write it. They could talk it, voice text. We could just have a conversation. 
They didn't have to dress out that day. And it was just a fun day of just getting out those emotions. And it, it became a day that they looked forward to. They were like, is it Evoke Fun Friday or whatever I called it? They looked forward to those days. And it was something that once, once we were in virtual school, I'm like, Friday, now is the day that you all go out outside of your house safely if you can and record yourselves dancing out, you know, in the park. Um, make these days a day to get back in touch with yourself. And it 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 really changed my classroom. Mm, that's so beautiful. And that's and there that's you focusing on them as humans, not just as the dancer trying to perfect that technique. Yeah. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I loved hearing more about behind the scenes, Tamara, in your life and how you're handling all the things. I really enjoyed our conversation today. I love that we've covered so many things. So if those who are listening and who want to connect with you, get to know more about you, where can they find you? How can they contact you? So I am tmi.design.consulting on Instagram and Facebook. And my website is TamaraIrving.com. And I can be also found on LinkedIn. And I'm excited to come and support you as an educator, just to, you know, even start with being a listening ear on what's going on. Because like you mentioned before in our conversation, Audra, is that I, I've been there. <laughs> a lot of the things that are happening to the educators in my 12 years, I probably, it probably happened to me too. Or I know somebody that it happened to, and I can, I can help you navigate a lot of those things. So beautiful. Thank you. And I know, I know that listeners, you don't see Tamara, but she's just so full of love. Like, I hope you can feel the love and energy that she's bringing because I get to see it and feel it while we're talking. So, and she brings that to all that she does. It's so beautiful. Tamara, last question for today. What does it mean to you to be the CEO of your life and business? Okay, I've been thinking about this and it's, it's a little difficult, but I think it's like being um, responsible for your success, being focused on an expectation and um, knowing knowing how to state state your why and whether that why is fully focus on business or whether that's a why in your life, how can you state that? Um, and of course, through, a, through the dynamics of dance. For me, being a dance CEO is, like I said before, facilitating those experiences for people by means of dance. Thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing with the dance CEO community. It's been an honor to talk with you. Thank you so much. I love today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Dance CEO Podcast, where aspiring or established dance business owners and entrepreneurs learn to become the CEO of your life and business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review and rating. To stay up to date and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me, your host, on Instagram at the Dance CEO Coach. Until next time.